Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and, of course, across the world. Thank you for downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using your favourite podcast app on your mobile phone or, indeed, listening to us on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the weekending of Friday, June the 12th. 2015. Joining me on the line as ever is Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ. Some brilliant people that Niall has been talking to this week, which we'll be playing the interviews for you. Uh, one to do with the, uh, the ESB who are kind of powering the potential of, of goodness knows what. And then we're also going to talk to a guy who looks into the future. Now don't laugh because these kind of guys who look into the future have been taken very seriously and <laughs> I'll tell you this, Niall, can, can, can I share this about what you said before the interview and then after the interview? Okay, share away. You were very sceptical before the interview, and I went, a friend of mine actually is a futurologist, and he's quite interesting, and I think that this guy could actually, you know, uh, say some very interesting things. And you went, yeah, 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 whatever. Then you went off and you met him, and then you came back and you went, that guy was amazing! <laughs> so I think I called you straight after the You did, actually. Well. You were so excited. <laughs> it was actually very funny. Um, so, anyway, we have that coming for you later on the show. But first, of course, the big story of the week was the, uh, the Apple uh, Worldwide Development conference. Uh, we only have a few minutes to talk about it. So, you know, uh, I think we'll skip over the iOS, we'll skip over the watch. Was there anything in, in El Capitan uh, that grabbed your interest? Uh, no, that's the latest version of OS X. Uh, not really. I, I, I think what's the most interesting thing about it is that we're going to be hearing about it for a while because they've moved away from the annual release to a sort of a, a bi-yearly, I guess you call it. The uh, beta comes out in July this year. The full release isn't going to be until next year. So uh, they've really sort of reined in their uh, OS updates, which is great news because uh, I think the cycle had just been too fast and the updates were getting a little bit flaky. So that's good news for users. Let's move on. Let's move on. Now, you know that I would not be the greatest Apple fanboy in the world, all right? And you also know that Apple like to outdo themselves. And I actually think with the Worldwide Developers Conference this year and the big presentation that they made, they have absolutely outdone themselves. Ah, okay, right. I'm, I'm, I'm cautious in your optimism. I'm waiting for them to there to be some sort of punchline. Well, do you remember how bored I was last year? Yes. Well, they outdid themselves this year, and I was even more bored than last year. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there even yeah. the one more thing, which is the one that seems to be causing all of the talk, Apple are going essentially went. Oh, and one more thing, we're going to do Spotify. Yeah, it's but the a, one more thing was the thing everyone expected in the first place. Mm, you know, they're very unimpressive. I'm, I'm really getting tired of that whole thing. You know, I'm expecting them one day to go. And one more thing. Today, Apple are announcing we are going to be doing the keyboard. Finally, a way to easily input information into your computer using clear and simple numbers and letters arranged on our two millimeter thick aluminium clad, beautiful, sexy looking eye keyboard. I mean, come on. Okay, right. So what what did you actually what do you actually think of Apple Music as a service or a potential Spotify killer? How's that? I don't know how you spell it, but that's what I think of it. Uh there is um 
There's only one good thing. There's only one good thing. Because essentially they are doing Spotify. It's like, yeah, you can stream as many songs as you want. Uh, you know, we'll tell you a little bit about the artist. Artists can connect with you. You can listen to albums. Whatever. Everything's been done before, right? The one good thing that I did like about it is the price. The price is the same as Spotify, $9.99 a month. However, they say that they're going to be doing a $15 subscription for a family. Yes. And I think that's a clever move. Because yeah, but that is the exact same pricing as there was with Beats Music. Uh, it is also um, sort of the definition of the family is exactly the same as well. Like, I think it goes down to six users, I think. Um, yeah, the exact same pricing as Beats Music. Uh, you know that getting the um, partnerships together with the major labels wasn't going to be that big a deal. You know that Apple being Apple, they would be able to give better uh, a better deal to artists. Um, one wonders if this is going to have a, a similar effect as the way they sewed up the ebooks market for a while there, and it ended up costing them four hundred and eighty million dollars in fines for uh, operating a pricing cartel. Uh, are they going to fall victim to the same problem when it comes to music streaming? Um, probably not, seeing as they managed to do it with um, do it with uh, music downloads, all right. But I guess mm. there wasn't much of a market to to squash at the time. So, uh, yeah, I think Spotify have been looking at this very closely. But the one thing Apple Music doesn't have that Spotify relies on is a free tier. Apple Music is a premium only service. Yeah, well, this this is another thing where I think it's destined to fail because the usual Apple walls have gone up. As you say, there's no free version. I think they will do a three-month trial if you were already an Apple customer. Well, Beats Music had a three-month trial anyway. Um, so that's another thing that they robbed from Beats Music. In fact, I think Apple Music is is just Beats Music with better deals. Rebadged. Uh, with the record labels. Rebadged. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. interesting uh, that they are going to make it available on Android. But of course, there's no free version on Android. You have to be an Apple subscriber. And you know what else I bet is that you have to have an Apple account because <laughs> you won't be able to do it through your Google Play account. <laughs> Yeah, of course you do. Although Apple, um, uh, very considerately at WWDC, also showed off a new migration app for uh, Android. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if you happen to have uh, an Android app and there's a corollary on the uh, iTunes store, well, guess what? Mm-hmm. Apple are going to make it super easy for you to, to port over your Android handset to an iPhone. The other thing now, as as I am a man who's spent a, a lot of my career uh, working in radio and still have a huge love for radio as a, as a communication medium. Hey, look, we're doing radio now on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I think this beats one service that they're talking about doing a global radio station. And they made a huge thing of human beings are picking the music. And this radio station will be broadcast globally because I, I, I heard somebody from Apple uh, during the week said radio is just a playlist. We're bringing human beings into the whole curation process. And I just thought to myself, you know what, if that's what radio is to them, they're screwed. Well, here, here's the thing. There is one ra- radio show that I would consider... Uh, Possibly the best programmed mm-hmm. um, on RT. And it comes down largely to the taste of one individual mm-hmm. uh, and their sort of music sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I can name them if you like. Yes. Yep. I, I think the John Creedon show is actually probably the best music radio show there is in Ireland at the mm-hmm. moment. Uh, because he doesn't um, discriminate between genres. He just plays the good from 
punk, the good from reggae, the good from, you know, 60s rock, whatever it is. He well, that's good from it. That's what Apple are doing. They're bringing yeah. up Beats 1 and saying it's going to be John Creedon, but on a global scale. And I think don't think that that's going to work because as good as John Creedon is in Ireland, do you really think the John Creedon show, as it is now, would be a huge hit in Texas or in Singapore? There is, a, I'll give you a great example for global radio where it doesn't work, uh, and I don't even know if it's still on, but one of the commercial radio stations in Dublin has an American DJ on in the evening who does all the top 40 and chart stuff and interviews all the big stars and all that kind of stuff, and doesn't work. Nobody cares. Everybody knows it's pre-recorded. Whatever. You know. Anyway, that's, that's, that's my point. As a radio person, I uh, predict a, a very quick failure for, for Beats 1, and uh, it'll probably be followed by Apple Music. There. And I'm 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 going to wrap it up with that. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> I mean, I think you're only half right. But I'm go in ahead. that kind of a mood today. Uh, <laughs> listen, let's get on to because you've been meeting some amazing people this week. Now, I wanted to, we leave the futurologist for uh, for for a few minutes because he really was something else. But tell me about the ESB interview first. Who did you talk to and why? Yeah, I talked to uh, Paul Vanny, who's one of the uh, heads of innovation at the uh, ESB. And uh, one of the things that he was talking about was how the ESB isn't just looking at energy from the perspective of being a utility, that the idea that you use energy and they bill you for it, that very simple model has gotten more complicated, but in getting more complicated, it's getting smarter. So uh, one of the apps that I have on my phone, maybe you have it as well, is um, an app the ESB themselves developed. And uh, it basically sort of makes you think about, oh, right, okay, I put on the immersion in the morning. This is what my immersion costs me. Or, uh, you know, I watch X amount of television in the evening. It costs me this. Or I'm charging 10 devices a night. It costs me this. And you mind. It might, it mightn't change your habits, but it certainly makes you a lot more informed about your energy use. So uh, when I was talking to Paul Mulvaney, we talked quite a bit about that sort of movement from the consumer to the prosumer of electricity. Sure, well, the traditional energy industry, we had centralized power generation, which moved, uh, the electricity moved along big pylons, transmission pylons, into distribution pylons and into people's homes. And people then, they basically just consumed the electricity, they boiled their kettle, whatever, they watched their TV, and they got a bill two months in arrears. They didn't really have much sight of where the electricity came from, it didn't matter what time of day they used it, so it was, they were fairly passive. Now, as things are starting to change now, people are becoming much more uh, interactive, and also the customer has the choice of not just being a consumer but being a prosumer. So customers can now generate some of their own electricity, whether they have a, maybe a micro wind turbine in the garden, a solar panel on the roof, a battery to store energy. So that people have a, a they can interact a lot more with electricity now and energy. They can the time of day that they use it will actually be an issue in the future because prices will change at different times of day. And we see people are anxious to have greener electricity. Um, there will be different offerings from supply companies. For example, they might offer low-cost electricity at night time for someone who's, uh, who's running an electric car, for example, because at, at night time the, the demand is lowered, there's surplus electricity available. So we see a much more interactive uh, and engaged customer becoming central to this. We also see a lot of different changes, I suppose, as to how people use electricity. People want more control. 
people prefer to pay as you go. They don't like the idea of a bill in arrears. Uh, they like to be able to control the energy in their house, their heating. So a lot of the things we're displaying here today at the Expo are things like uh, home energy management systems, which will give people that kind of level of control, like the Google Nest uh, system, which is actually a learning thermostat, which learns people's behaviour, gets to know whether you're in the house or not, gets to know what temperature you like the room at, and does all of that automatically for you. So people will have a lot more control. And uh, when it comes to control, uh, people sort of uh, assume the, they sort of uh, picture the ESB, they think a very large-scale project. Um, but really, that's, that's not really the case anymore, is it? I mean, you're starting to look at it more from the perspective of the home is the unit and almost a, a self-correcting system, really. Yeah, it, I suppose the, the, the scale of projects that you and the electricity industry is really changing from big to small. And I suppose the focus is going from the utility to the customer. So these are big shifts that we're seeing in the industry at the moment. And to us, the customer may be a domestic customer, maybe also industrial or commercial. So we do, we're do we doing a lot of work now with the likes of industrial and commercial customers who might want to put in a combined heat and power plant. They might want solar panels on their factory. We've actually just uh, announced a, a joint venture with Kingspan. Kings, uh, Kingspan actually provide most of the flat roofs to industry in the country. And we've uh, announced a, a JV that will look that will provide funding solar, so ways that people can actually uh, have a funded product, put the solar on the roof and kind of uh, pay as you save into the future. So uh, there'll be a shift as well, I suppose, to energy services, really, you know. So we're helping people uh, control their energy, we're trying to help them uh, control their carbon footprint and to reduce ultimately their energy costs. We have an example of that with DAA at the moment, so DAA are looking to make Dublin Airport an exemplar in terms of energy efficiency and our target is to save for them and with them one million a year by 2020 and we're, we're well on the way. Uh, one of the sort of the backbones of uh, energy as we're going to come to understand it is the idea of the smart grid. Uh, I believe IBM ranked Ireland as third, third in the world when it comes to smart grid technology but can you just explain a little bit about what a smart grid is and how we're sort of seeing it applied? Yeah, smart grid, uh, I suppose everything's smart these days but a smart, a smart grid is really uh, the, the grid is the transmission and distribution system so it's what carries the electricity from wherever it's generated to wherever it's used. A smart grid allows a lot of real-time control. We have a lot of information about how the power flows, where it's flowing on the grid. In the past, the power all flowed from the generating station to the customer. There's now a lot of different uh, different flows because people are actually producing some of their own uh, home power. But a smart grid does a number of things. It gives you a lot of instantaneous control and allows you much better to match uh, supply with demand. It also really helps in terms of incorporating um, renewable energy because renewable energy is generally intermittent it's not controllable like a like a traditional power station so it's a real challenge to actually integrate a lot of renewables onto the system but our smart grid would allow us to incorporate to to be able to accommodate 50% of the energy coming from renewables, interruptible source at any time, that's really, really high by world standards because and it's it's the smart uh, technology that allows us to do that well, uh, one of the points that you raised in your in your keynote earlier was um, sort of the rate at which people are consuming energy. Uh, common sense would say we've got much more devices in our house. Mm, sort of a logic would follow that we're all using a lot more power than we had, but that's not really the case. No, uh, it was always the case, and there was a trend since. ESB was formed around the foundation of the state whereby GDP and electricity demand actually tracked each other. You could graph them and they absolutely tracked each other. And that was the case until the recent recession. And in the recession, they decoupled. So uh, now as we see the... uh, 
economy starting to recover again, the demand for electricity hasn't actually kept pace. And that's due to a number of different things. One is, I suppose, people are very cost conscious and they probably got used to using less energy during the recession. That's one. Secondly, they're much more energy conscious and carbon conscious. So people are using lower energy devices, lower energy light bulbs. All homes now have an energy rating. Building regulations are changed. So there's a big drive to use, a lot of it's driven by the environmental side, but to use less energy. And people are kind of comfortable using less energy. And the devices they use now are smarter and actually use less energy. Washing machines use less energy. You know, uh, the devices are being kind of designed in that way. So the net effect is actually that as the economy starts to recover, that the, the demand for electricity isn't recovering at the same rate. Uh, one of the things you also spoke about was the diversification of the ESB beyond uh, being sort of a, a pure power utility. Uh, we already know a little bit about um, sort of CIRO, which is the joint venture with uh, Vodafone that launched uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, granted, that's not going to be a consumer offering, but what, what other areas are, is the ESB interested in? Well, in the telecommunications area, we we have uh, other ventures. We have the ESB telecoms business, which is two elements. There's a towers business, so we have dishes on our um, existing electrical masts. And we also have a fibre business where we've wrapped fibre around the transmission distribution or the transmission system. Again, that's a B2B offering for backhaul. Uh, so we've been in that, that uh, telecoms business since 1993, and that's a successful business for us. And today we just announced the Metro uh, Express. So Metro Express is uh, an underground cable that runs from City West to Clonshock, 35 kilometres of cable, very deep with the high-voltage cables under the ground. And it links with a thing called a T50, which is a fibre we already had running along the M50. So by combining these two, we have a complete circuit, and it gives really high resilience. And the type of thing that's required for companies with uh, with data centres and uh, with, with big data requirements. So that's one area. Other areas that we're involved in is we're, we're looking at new technologies, uh, and we have a, a VC fund. We have a 200 million VC fund we call Novus Modus, where we look to invest in new emerging clean tech companies and uh, the idea there is that we actually get early sight of these technologies we can hopefully help these companies by transferring some of our knowledge to them in terms of their development and we get learning from these companies with the new technology so there's a two-way information flow so we invest in these companies help them grow to a certain stage and then sell them on maybe the uh, private equity fund so that's been running uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years great thank you very much paul this is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. Now, on to the second interview of the week, and this is where Niall kind of started off a skeptic and then came away a fan. You're going to love this interview. It's a guy who looks into the future. Tell us about who he is. Yep, this is uh, Sahel Inyatola. He is a futurist and a political scientist. So uh, it's not, um, I guess, when you look at the idea of futurology and prognostication and this sort of thing, um, my initial sort of concern or my initial skeptic's nature was, you know, is, is futurism just sort of a, a stab in the dark and informed guess as to what's going to happen? And uh, that was pretty much the first question that I hit him with. I think future started out... I mean, historically, as psychics and prophecy. Modern future studies start out very much first as prediction, one-point prediction, here's what will happen. Now, consistently, people got that wrong. So they said, okay, 
given the rate of change, given uncertainty, let's move from prediction to scenarios. That was phase two. Phase three has been, well, the scenarios still assume we're not actors. So that's a shift to complex adaptive systems. We're in this future. And now the phase we're in now is, if that's the case, how do I create learning organizations, learning cultures? So we're not just predicting or doing scenarios. We're working together as part of this journey. We're telling a different story. And uh, in sort of telling that story, it makes you wonder, is, is change not inevitable when technologies are emerging all the time? Do people sort of have a, a problem embracing change? I mean, what are the factors that really get in the way of people going, ah, I, I get it, when sort of common sense would say, here's a problem, here's a piece of technology that will solve it, what's the big deal? Well, one is in the story part. My colleague Rob Burke, he was working in a hospital, and he gave them data about personal behavior, diet, exercise, all that stuff. And suddenly the head of surgery said, aha, my life is like a car where the RPM is in the red. So even though I'm the head of surgery, I'm about to kill myself. He linked the data to a metaphor. He said, I need to slow down. And then he started doing mindfulness meditation, change his diet, stop smoking so he could slow down. So part of about change we don't see, we don't link it to our personal story, and thus we're oblivious to it. Part two is there's different patterns to change. Some is linear, major disruption. Some is cyclical. If we've seen with corporations, you have innovation over three to four generations. After a while, it all falls apart. We have cyclical decline. Sometimes it's a pendulum between modernity and religion, between decentralization and centralization. And sometimes you get these spirals moving forward and retaining the past. So in a way, there's different patterns to change. The role of foresight is what pattern am I in now? If I can see the pattern, if I'm in a pendulum shift, I can act wisely. If I'm linear, I act a certain way. If cyclical decline, I arrest the decline. So once I know the pattern, I can make ideally more effective, informed, wiser, smarter decisions. And uh, in sort of giving your talk, you really broke down the, the, the nature of change to kind of the nature of the relationships we have between things. Um, uh, one of the more interesting things was uh, how we have to change our relationship with nature. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Nature was always something outside of us. We externalize it in terms of cost, and now we're seeing how do we internalize it. Uh, we were in East Asia for a while, and my partner, she has a slide which has a Chinese couple with the backdrop of nature, and they have a picture of themselves in nature. So even instead of going into nature, you just get a picture of nature. So that's removed from nature. And we know the studies, immune systems are enhanced when you're in more biodiverse areas. So it's better for us, better for the planet. And indeed, as we go from a post-coal oil era, the transition to sustainability, it's better for the planet. I suppose we have to look at uh, energy as a, a political issue more so than now than ever. Yes, yeah. There's a politics of energy. Certainly as we make this transition, there will be certain losers and certain winners. The bet most of us think choose nature. Mm. 
One of the other points you uh, raised was sort of the, the nature of learning, how it's changing from sort of the, the expertise model to a, a P2P model, almost to a sense that everyone is slightly expert at something and when you combine that whole knowledge, you do get something uh, worthwhile out of it. So uh, is expertise where we find it these days? I mean, your point is brilliant. The old model was, I'm in control, I'm in charge, I'm the expert. And the weakness of that is there's worldview blindness. I make mistakes because I don't know my risk. If I have a peer-to-peer, my risk are ameliorated because there's a wisdom of others. The second part of that, the user adds value as opposed to the producer adding value. So this goes to a distributed model, a peer-to-peer model of knowledge, which can be more powerful. And the mistake people make is they go full distribution. There's appropriate times for expertise for authority. If I'm flying in an airplane, I don't want to wisdom the crowds, which direction should we go in? No, I trust the pilot. Mm. So it's getting a model, here are the times for authority, here's the times for crowdsourcing peer-to-peer. Most educational systems don't have that yet. They're totally based on the teacher, lecturer is right, for getting students to have access to new technologies. And the goal is the flipped classroom, So they learn on their own time the text. When we're together, it's conversation. And do you think there's a fear amongst educators particularly where sort of the limits of their own expertise could be exposed by their students? I was at one meeting where the police commissioner said, look at how wonderful my, my district is. And so he went on Facebook and he said, it said, here's how many likes I have to I love the police force. And there's 3,500 likes. Now, I went straight away online, and underneath his page was, I hate the police force. And there's 35,000 likes. Right. So in real time, now, I didn't stand up and say, commissioner, but that's the fear. So it means moving from a knowledge story of, I'm in charge, to we're all learners, and each one of us contributes, and we know when it's appropriate to have authority, when it isn't. Another point that you raised was um, sort of the inevitability, really, of the automated future and our relationship with robots. Uh, Will this extend to how we uh, interact with pretty much everything that we own in our lives? Yeah, AI, smart devices, robots are here to stay. More and more will be in a fully automated society. That, if we do it right, meaning a global income insurance system, meaning we'll all work less and less. If we do it wrong, that means millions, billions of unemployed people really angry, the robots took my jobs. So it's coming to a new global agreement on, we all agree, let the robots do the things we don't want to do, and we start to do emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence, cultural intelligence, innovation, we go to other areas. But that does mean a political economic change in terms of a base, income base. A large part of that uh, sort of political and economic change is really people finding their place in the world uh, still, where uh, they go, well, hang on, you know, I was gearing up to retire at 65. Uh, That's not really the case anymore. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, especially for kids. People ask me, well, what should I do? I said, well, the old model was one job. We're moving towards this portfolio career where you have multiple skill sets. You change your job many times in your life. And then towards a social entrepreneur, entrepreneur, where you start to invent a life path. So the story we're telling young people, here's a fixed pathway, and that story is not useful to them. So it could be a multiple pathway, it could be they're painting the pathway. 
So it's really at that age getting them to see the future will not be like before. Here's some alternative ways to look at your life pathway. And for elderly too, their assumption is you turn 65, you retire. Well, what are you going to do then? So we need ways where people retiring can mentor younger people. And so there's multiple pathways for young and old to learn from each other. That hasn't been invented yet. And I guess sort of the redefinition of those um, sort of generational relations have, has sort of a knock-on impact for uh, sort of relations uh, between sort of nations even when you, when you look at things like, like the inevitable labour uh, shortage that will come as more robots take up more jobs. One implication is we become intimate with robots in a strange sort of way. Implication two is we have a whole new industry called robot repair, robot guidance, robot expertise. It creates a huge new wave of expertise. Implication three is the decimation of the factory model. In any case, your point I think is brilliant. Automation AI changes our relationship with technology and changes us. Excellent. Thanks so much, Charlotte. Thanks so much for your questions. So next time we have an interview with uh, futurologist Niall, is it, is it you or me who's going to go and do the interview? Oh, I think I'll manage it, though, <laughs> He was very, very good. Listen, Niall, as always, thank you for keeping us up to date with interesting people to talk to and, of course, all the big stories on techcentral.ie of the week. Uh, we didn't get to talk about much about the Apple WWDC, but there is more on it online, isn't there? There is, yeah. There, there's plenty up there in terms of news. There is also my before and after uh, guesses and results. Uh, and you can see how close we came to uh, getting uh, Apple's new releases right and wrong. There you and go. there was a fair mix of each. There you go. That's uh, all online for you at techcentral.ie. You'll also get uh, hourly updates on the website along with daily newsletters if you want to sign up for that. And, of course, we have our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6 p.m. on DAB Digital Radio with RTE. Radio 1 Extra. That's it for our tech radio show for today. Thank you so much for listening. From Niall and myself, Dusty Rhodes, thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.